When high achievers have gotten themselves to a great success, we often start to forget what got us here does not mean what can get us to the next level, where we can achieve full potential with ease. Today, we'll learn the one thing you have to diminish in order for you to not get into your own way, so you can run a successful healthcare practice that have the A players always around you, the best resources where you can truly be free to work on your business, but not in your business, and creating the amazing impact that you want. Private practice owners, are you ready to rewrite the rules for your practice so you can have more time off, a great team, and more income while delivering better patient care? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to the Providers Edge podcast. I'm your host Sabrina Rompak. I'm a provider, an international peak performance keynote speaker, and a best-selling author. My guests and I help providers like you control your practice, control your life, control your future. This is your defining moment to be a disruptor in healthcare. If you have listened to episode fifteen, we talked about the top three tendencies holding you back from truly mastering your productivity. Those are based on three out of ten sabotaging tendencies, and we didn't really mention what the number one that everyone has. The master saboteur, which is a judge. So we'll dive deeper into this. But if you have not listened to episode fifteen, I would encourage you to go back because we dived into three of them. One is hyperachiever, which is motivated by acceptance, and hypervigilance, which is motivated by security, and then the controller, which is motivated by independence. So let's talk about what is the master saboteur, and why do we even need to have that in our life? For some of you who already know my story, that I have backed away from clinical medicine, and I just found that to create more impact is not just waiting for that one patient to come into the hospital to the clinic for us to decide. If they need surgery,、um, where I came from, cardiothoracic, and I still do that one week per month. However, that impact is very limited based on how much time I have, and how much、uh, my team is going to be there, and、uh, how available the OR space is for us to save that one life, create that one impact. So I changed direction, especially after overcoming burnout, to. Create even bigger impact on the level of how do we optimize our practices, our workflow, our、uh, organization, so we can actually not always work in our life, but work on it. Then we can create both the satisfaction we want to have as a provider, and also able to engage with patients better because we're in a better place mentally, physically, and have these. Programs that are actually incentivized, value-based, feel-good programs that are able to generate us even more 
profit backend where our organization are super going to be support of us. So getting on this journey definitely took many years to even understand what niche I wanted to go into. Why do I even wanted to help this specific practice, especially those who are in private practice, the primary care physician, the subspecialty who are not really well represented, and our patient population who are unable to reach the type of care either they don't have the health literacy, or they're constantly just thinking, well, if I'm relatively quote unquote healthy, means I don't have any symptoms, I don't need to go anywhere. And I only need to help when it's an emergency situation. Then we get into all the slew of overusing emergency department, urgent care, us then primary care. And primary care is not actually getting paid for all those services. Yet, we're driving up the cost of our healthcare so much in the U.S., but we're not better taking care of patients' quality. Now, mission is there, vision is there, but how come we always question ourselves? And what the funny thing is, today I went to a high-end restaurant chef competition with at least 30 vendors here, and they sold 800 tickets out um, between vendors and um, the uh, ticket holders, VIP in general. We probably have 1,000 people at the event. And one of the table was actually a tarot card reading. Now, I always take those things as a grain of salt just because I believe in spirituality, not so much in religion. However, there are definitely things we cannot control, things we cannot put our physical touch on. Despite that, it's still a fun thing to do. So my reading from today was the root, the ground, because we're at the farmers, local farmers. Um, the whole event is about support local farmers. So the, my root was the sun, showing that I have done my work inwardly, and now it's about spreading the light, spreading the joy, which I do think is the in the right place. And my current status is a king on the throne and say prosperity, interpretation for how we best leveraging the resources, the people around me to create the impact that I wanted now that I'm on this new journey. Funny thing is my last card is the night. Apparently, it's the most assertive card in the deck, which means I need to do more of what I already know and trust myself to get there. And my overall card is a rainbow showing a pathway and that I am to creating a path on the journey of path together. So my point of this telling you the story is how come I'm someone who have gone through so much and all of us have similar experience. We need some kind of external validation. Now, I had the same conversation without target card reading, right? With one of my close friends who also transitioned out of clinical medicine, who was in anesthesiology and went on to be medical directors, VPs for some of the larger pharmaceutical companies. And he even said, that was last year, I think I met him, you're in the right place. It seems like you're more ready. So when we hearing these things, we feel validated, right? So why do we always feel need the need to get validations? And even we're sure about ourselves is the one thing I want to talk to you guys about today is that there's one thing we have to do every day 
to make sure we don't get into our own way, even though we're on the right path, or we're on the wrong path, but we don't see it, and then we get into our own way by not seeing it and keep going, merry go around the same thing, yet another day, but nothing changes, and then we still feel frustrated. That one thing is due to our sabotaging tendency. In episode 15, we discuss three specific tendencies and we will continue to discuss the rest of the six of the nine tendencies in other two episodes. But today I want to focus on our master saboteur, the judge, our saboteur or the buddies who helped us keep that promise of what we want especially in childhood, is a very emotional state, regardless of how well you were parented. Saboteurs are a universal phenomenon. The fact that you may not be consistently aware of them doesn't mean they don't exist. If you don't think you have them, you are especially at risk. Your saboteurs are hidden well. The problem with saboteurs is that we use many temporary mechanisms for our physical survival in our childhood. Especially, our brain are not made to make us happy. They're made to detect problems and really scan for all the negativities in our life. And as I mentioned, studies have shown that for any one negative experience or thoughts takes at least three positive ones to overcome. As we mature physically, we replace these mechanisms with ones that better fit for our adult life. Ideally, our mental survival strategies would work similar. We would abandon our childhood saboteur strategies in favor of more mature ones better suited to the less vulnerable adult years. The challenge is that once formed, the saboteurs do not voluntarily drop out and let go. They hang on into our head and get entrenched. The judge is the universal saboteur, the one we all have, a predisposition to exaggerate the negativity and assume the worst is actually good for survival. Just like some of you high achievers out there, you feel like if you have a deadline, especially that deadline is only a few hours, it drives you to be so concentrated, I'm always going to be getting things done. But that's actually a false belief because you push yourself into that really intense, stressful level. If you're in the jungle and see the leaves in the near tree begin to shake, you will be better off assuming you are in a dangerous cave than through this assumption would be based on very little information. This must be a tiger on the way to eat me, so I better run away and hide. We're not in a jungle anymore. However, the judge in itself, we are constantly judging ourselves. Just like what I mentioned, I we all get into a different career path and to figure out what's the next big thing and what our impact is. And even for myself, I had to had to judge myself to see is this the right thing. So when it comes down to some people say, Sabrina, why that's important? There would it that just means I'm concerned about my success. I need to get to that point that I can relax. But we know those type of success 
are moving targets, you actually don't really truly understand what success means to you. Because once you hit that one goal, then you immediately think about something else that you need to do. I need to achieve. You're already needing to move on. Have not even lived in that when before. When for long before you start thinking about the next big target to create another when. We know joy is a very temporary emotion, and happiness is not really about the end destination that will give you. Happiness, but it's the journey that will create happiness. So the differences between judging and discerning is: if someone has turned in his project late five minutes in a row, the voice of discerning in you should simply state that fact and say that it is therefore likely, unless something shifts, that person will be late turning in his next project. This is discerning. You are paying attention to the state of things as they are. Once you are made an observation like this, you can activate your sage, that higher level of brain. After we shut down the judge, to figure out what to do with that discernment, you could sit down with that person to explore the. Underlying causes of his behavior, and see if you can help. You could work on contingency plans that he late his tardiness won't impact your other、um, downstream other works or other team members. Or you can choose to fire the employee if all previous attempts at changing this pattern has failed, and he's showing no openness to change. The sage can help you do any of this without. Feeling angry, blameful, scornful, disappointed, or betrayed. The presence of those negative feelings indicate that the judge has taken over, and you are judging rather than discerning. Pay attention to the emotions involved. If you're calmly noticing what isn't working or what has gone wrong, in order to figure out how to move forward. You are discerning. If you're feeling upset, disappointed, anxious, or resentful, you are judging. Indeed, that's how the judge causes much of your distress in any situation. Your distress is not caused by what happened; it's caused by your judge's reaction to it. Now, how do we weaken your judge? That's what we we're here for, right? Like the one thing you have to do every day, so we can stop getting in our own way. Given that judges' damage is done on three entirely different fronts, judging yourself, the people around you, and your external circumstances, you might want to remind yourself of these typical patterns in which these areas occur in your life. You might also want to come up with your own personal name for your judge based on its personality. My judge is the itty bitty shitty committee. One of my clients' judge is called Dr. Tony's nemesis. Another client's judge is called Negna Nancy. Another client's judge is just called Denise because she had someone who's always. 
being negative and that person's name is Denise. So it doesn't matter if it's the real name or it's a clever name. You just have to name your judge and go with it because it can also be the destroyer, the know-it-all, the sourpuss, no matter what that is, give your judge that name. And then we do neuroremodulation work to shut that down. So for you, what would it change at your personal life, at your work, and how would you treat other people when your judge start to show up? What we want also is do mini mental vacations. Those are two minute reset to retrain our brain, rewire our brain to get to a higher level of positive intelligence. Now, feel free to go to sabrinarombag.com forward slash energy to grab a copy of a two-minute mini mental vacation. And especially for those who are needing to be on computer so much, charting, reviewing things, documenting, it would definitely significantly help you to get to that better state of not getting in your own way, shut down your saboteur so you can get to your sage power, which are the higher function in your brain where you can tap both from the emotional side of midbrain and the logical side of your prefrontal cortex. I hope you liked today's episode. Until next time. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you're like me who just want to get to the bottom and find out what's going on in your practice, then I invite you to book a complimentary peak performance diagnostic call with me. You can check my availability at sabrinarumpack.com forward slash blueprint to find a time that works for you. This is especially beneficial for you if you have an established clinic, but now feeling drained, want to do more for your patients, but are limited in your capacity or are unable to live up to your full potential. Don't you agree that if you don't allow a pair of unbiased eyes to take a look, you'll never know what you don't know. This is your chance to gain back time and be a peak performing healthcare leader again. Gosh, I, I went through my list of <laughs> list of things we did that last day, and I kept them on my notebook pad. And they're all, and I, I told you, it was a sheet. I move a lot of my really important stuff too, uh, and that you made that sheet to all the things we did. You know, I think there was there were a lot of things in there. I look at the chart of the desire zone because I was taking on too many things. I was doing too many things outside of my desire zone, and that allowed me to hone things back into the direction where they should be. What were some other things that we our first call that we ever had? There was a quote that you made you gave me from the Dalai Lama, and these are simple things. I did, but it was my gratitude, and it hit me at that time because I'd forgotten to be grateful about what has been built. You know, everybody around me that sees what we're doing, or you know, sees what I'm doing here, my peers and colleagues, and they're very grateful for what I've been doing. They're like, oh, "This is great." You know, we'd love to be in the position that I'm in, and I forget that, and I forgot it. So that was another one. And then uh, what was some other stuff? I'd have to go from the list. I mean, there's, you know, the two minute reset stuff that we do. Margin, just do a little bit. And we even, you remember, I, so I, you know, been a big meditator for a long time and, and everyone goes through cycles of this, but I was so dedicated. It was 45 minutes to an hour every single day, probably at night as well. And then in a busy lifestyle, you go, oh, can't do that. Then you start thinking, well, if I can't do 30 minutes or an hour meditation, then why even do it? But you're teaching people to do two minute meditations which three two-minute meditations throughout the entire day, you know, six minutes total, in my opinion, is better than doing 45 minutes an hour every other day. It just made more sense. And it was so much easier just to kind of center myself back in and go back at it. And one thing now, I'm gonna have to do a plug here. 
is this. Yeah, and you know I was going to do this, didn't you? <laughs> this clock right here has been, you had, I don't know if yours is next to you or not, but you, you held this up for me one day. And we're talking about time blocking, yes, time blocking and everything else. I said, well, what is that? So I bought it on Amazon and it, you know, it has the clock and the five and 10, you know, 15 minutes and so forth. It is awesome. And so when I started using this thing, I started realizing like, oh my gosh, when, I, when I'm actually tracking my time, I've got a lot of it. When I'm not tracking my time, even if you take a five minute break to surf the internet, it's 15, 20 minutes later, the time goes fast. So it's been fan. I can get so much stuff done in a 15 minute period. It's crazy. Now open up a browser and type in sabrinarunback.com forward slash blueprint. Let's create a blueprint for you to gain back a day per week and creating more impact, income, and freedom in your day. We'll talk soon.